really nice to be back at the pulpit tonight in the service of the Lord. A special greeting to my brethren up here in the, in the, behind me in the pulpit. And I'm so happy to be here. I wonder where is my friend Chris Berg? I can't place him or see him. Where's he at? <laughs> oh, there you are, Chris. <laughs> Keep off of my grizzly bear. <laughs> oh, oh, what a great time Chris and I had the last time up here. I've been looking every night for him, and I made a mistake, I believe. I said I was out and eat dinner with Ventrude family out here, and I find out it isn't Ventrude. I think it was Ventrude's daughter married someone else. I forget. Not Nyestead. Well, brother and sister Nyestead, if I, you're here, I'm sorry, but you, I think you were the bent rude to begin with. I think that's right. I'm not sure, but I think that's right. So I was halfway right. <laughs> but anyhow, I said it was killing me with kindness, and that's just about the way it went. So we are very grateful. And I understood today through the brother from Dawson Creek, I call him Brother Eddie, that my old friend, our friend Brother Durney is still living. And that uh, I believe another missionary from up there brought me word that Della was healed when she put that handkerchief on her breast with the tumor. I'm so happy for that. And I hear that Mr. Durney being sick and I want to visit him as soon as we get to Dawson Creek and go talk to him about salvation and of the Lord because he promised me when I left that he would, he would pray and would ask God to help him. Very fine old man that just lived his life in the bushes and never taken the second thought of God, I guess. But now maybe while he's on his bed, I can really talk to him now. So sometimes God has to lay us on our back to make us look up, you know, that he has a way of doing things. But he wrote me a letter about his daughter and told me about her and said she's the only daughter he had that didn't smoke and things, and he was so glad for her. And then another brother missionary from up there come and told me about the wonderful thing that the Lord Jesus had did for them. And I, I'm trusting that God will continue to be with them. Now, uh, this little... Get together in time of fellowship. I didn't know there's this many preachers in the country. I didn't know that. That's fine. Well, I'm glad to see you got good spiritual leaders here, and they'll teach you the way of the Lord. And I am here to just an answer to prayer and for running over the ground that they have laid. Is any credit to be given? Give it to the man who came in here and established the work. And they prayed and have believed that God would do these things in the last days and has taught you that they would happen. And here they are happening now right before our eyes. Now, uh, we want you to remember that prayer is the most mighty force that there is in the world. It's prayer. Prayer even changes the mind of God. How many know that? God told a prophet one day, go up and tell a king 
as the kind. They go tell him to set his house in order, or he's going to die. And then when Prophet Isaiah, could you just imagine the embarrassment of that prophet when he went up along the side and the poor people outside the gates? Oh, great prophet, what is the word of the Lord for our noble king? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. There stood the soldiers at the gate. O oh, great prophet, what is the word of the Lord from our king? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to die. Hezekiah asked this condition, he's going to die, you're not coming off of this bed. And he knew that was the word of the Lord, so he turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly. He said, Lord, I beseech thee to consider me. I've walked before you with a perfect heart. That's a great testimony. I walked before you with a perfect heart. You wanted fifteen more years of life. I looks like that if God wanted to grant it to him, he was the greatest man in the in the kingdom. Looked like he would just have said, "All right, Ezekiah, Ezekiah, I'm going to let you live for fifteen more years." But you see, God has a system, the way to do things. Instead of that, God went down into a little brush harbor out into the bush somewhere where Isaiah the prophet was, and said. Go back and tell him that I heard him. I'm going to grant it to him. Now, see, prayer changed things. See? Prayer changed things. But the embarrassment of that prophet coming back, why are you returning, prophet of the Lord? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. <laughs> the soldiers, what about it? Thus saith the Lord, he's going to live. See? See what did it? From just from death unto life, prayer changed it. Change the situation from death to life. It'll do the same thing for you. It'll do the same thing for me. It's our attitude towards God. And now remember that if you've asked anything and do not believe in your heart that it's going to happen, it won't happen no matter how many times you ask. But when you do believe, there's nothing to keep it from happening. It's, it's got to take place. It just has to. I'm 52 years old, and I've been in the ministry for, this is about 31 years, and I have known of these visions happening ever since I was yet no more than two years old when the first vision I believe that gifts and calling are without repentance. I believe they are, they are gifts that are given to us by God's own mind. Now, there's nine spiritual gifts that goes in every local body. We believe that, 1 Corinthians 12. But there is five gifts that's ordained of God for the church, the body gift. What is the first? Apostles. And that is not really, in our day, it's a missionary. Because apostle and a missionary is the very same word. A missionary means one cent. Apostle means one cent. See? Apostles, prophets. Teachers, pastors, evangelists. See? Five gifts. Now, a man cannot be an apostle because he wants to be. God set those in the church. And he cannot be a prophet because he wants to be. Now, there's gifts of prophecy in the church, but there's a lot of difference between gift of prophecy and a prophet. See? A gift of prophecy has to stand before three judges, and be judged before it could even be given to the church. Well, that's right. It could be on 
this woman tonight and never come again the rest of her life. Might be on this woman the next night and that man the next night. It's, it's local gifts in the body. But prophecy is the office a prophet. That's from birth. See, comes from birth. Jeremiah was a prophet. God said, before you was even formed in your mother's womb, I knowed you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. John the Baptist, 712 years before he was born, Isaiah saw him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prophet of the Lord. Jesus Christ was the Son of God from the Garden of Eden, the woman's seed that was to bruise the serpent's head. Though Congressman Upshaw said, you can't be nothing that you hain't. <laughs> a congressman of the United States run for president. He knows better, but he just, he just used my language. <laughs> my way of expressing it. But that is true. You can just be, and that's what's the matter with us today, friends. All the whole world seems to be that way. If we would just be what God makes us to be, then, then you're, 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 there's... The trumpet will not give an uncertain sound, then. It'll give a certain sound. And all the world will know it, you see, when it sounded right. And so a minister cannot be a minister because his papa or mother wants him to be a minister. He has to be called of God to be a minister. There would have been nothing do my heart any better than to know that my son, Billy Paul, would have been a minister. But to send him to school and make a minister out of him, I'd rather he had been a fit tune cleaner than to have been that, something that he's not. See, excuse that rude expression. I shouldn't have said that. It doesn't sound nice here, but you know what I mean. I'd rather he would have been something else. But God has used Billy. He's been a right-hand man to me, my son. Because when we first started giving prayer cards out, we come to find that had one man in there. First was a minister. We had an awful time about prayer cards. The first, we would send them to everywhere we was going to have a meeting. All the sponsoring pastors would get a hundred cards for their congregation. The first pastor got his group in. They were about settled, but the rest of them didn't get there. So then we started said, well, we'll go down the first day. We come and give out all the prayer cards. And Now, that's not for little church meetings. That's for the big auditoriums. And so, well, first day we'd have to give out a couple, three hundred prayer cards. Didn't do anybody any good to come in late because we sure didn't get in the prayer line because we couldn't take it all up. Four, five, or six a night, just done all we could do. And then the next we had, we had a minister to give out the prayer cards. Well, come to find out, when he got into the city in his own organization, he had to show a little favor to them or they excommunicated him. So I cause hard feelings. And then I put just an ordinary man in and found him trying to sell prayer cards. Guarantee a man said, if you'll guarantee my wife will be in the front row, I'll give you $500. And somebody overheard it and got it in and before it happened. So then that stopped that. Then I take in my brother. I know he wouldn't sell a prayer card. And that's what the world will be looking for, you know, something like that. But anyone that knows the meeting, money has been the last thing in our meeting. I've tried to hold a good, clean name. I never took an offering in my life. I've been preaching 31 years. Never took an offering in my life and never asked for one. Never intended. That's not, we don't come for money. We come to see what good we can do. Try to pitch in with these brothers here to help pull the load along. That's what it's for. These gifts could 
to make me a multi-millionaire in a, a few days' time. You know what it is. Yeah, I guess you read in the paper where that multi-millionaire in California sent me one million five hundred thousand in one offering. FBI agents brought it to a broadcast that I even refused to look at. Yeah, I don't take money. I couldn't have no money in such things as that. Oh, mercy. Me? I ain't got, I haven't got the mental powers to take care of that much money. So then, what if it would? I have to worry with it. See? Let them worry with it. If I need it, the Lord will say, give him so much. You see? So then, that's all right. I don't, I was talking to Brother Roberts, Oral Roberts, a great gallant soul, Brother Roberts. That man has to have around $10,000 a day. Uh, God knows what he was doing when he didn't put that responsibility on me. I sure couldn't do that. $10,000 a day, that would run me wild to have to get $10,000 a day. And the other, well, now, what if I had to have $10,000 a day and the Lord called me to come up here to Grand Prairie, what would I do about it? See, I, I don't have any radio programs, don't have nothing to sell, and I don't have to have 10 cents a day. See? Only thing I have to do is just keep myself free from all things so I can go wherever he tells me. If it's down to, uh, I held a revival of two nights in a place to help 30 people. I know it was miserable, but it was about 10 below zero. And just stand out there freezing with little sick babies and things. But the Lord told me to go, so I, I just went. And then if he wants me to go to Africa to preach to 100,000, 200,000, he puts on somebody's heart to send me a check to go over. So I just go on over, so see. My father owns all of it, and I don't have to worry about it. Just, I like to be like that, where I can just go wherever he tells me to go, see? My, Chris, we couldn't go bear hunting if I had to have $10,000 every day. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. But I'm glad just to be free so I can come to my brethren, the little brother, got a little bitty church, or wherever the Lord leads, just go where he leads. That's the way I like to be free, see? Nothing to buy in your homey, and um, ready to go anywhere, anytime, whatever he says do. And I found it a great life, very fine. And I have, can say this sincerely from this pulpit, which may be the last message I ever bring to the human race. I'm 52 the other day, and I have never in my life ever sincerely asked God for anything but what he gave it to me or told me why he couldn't do it. That's right. Many times I've asked for things he's refused me, but he'd tell me why. It's always his way is best. And I find out if he'd give it to me, I, it, it would have ruined me, you see. So I just go along and say, Lord, whatever you want me to have, here I am. <laughs> so he always takes care of me. But watch in the meeting. Whenever you hear... When the discernment is on, he's telling you, you're doing that yourself. You don't know it, but it's your own spirit, like the woman touching his garment. But when he speaks back, that's what you're pulling yourself from God. See, God wasn't using his gift. And all of us know that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, we know that Christ, Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in him. But to us... We have the Spirit by measure given to each one, the prophet was all. Now, but say, for instance, if I went out here to the ocean and took a spoonful of water out of the ocean, you'd never miss it, see? But I could take that spoonful of water to the laboratory, and it's got the same chemicals in it that the entire ocean's got. 
It's just not as much of it. Well, then, when we think of the Spirit of Christ that we have in us, see, it's just a spoonful of what was in him. See, he had all of it in him. All that God was, he poured into Christ. All that Christ was, he poured into the church. How many Pentecostals this year? Let's see your hand. Pentecostal people. All right. Do you know what God did on the day of Pentecost? The Bible said they were gathered and praying in the upper room, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we know that God was that pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness. What was God doing then? He was separating them. Tongues of fire was the separating that big pillar of fire and dividing himself among his people. Then, brethren, what we to do? Brothers, my, together we'll stand, divided we'll fall. So what the great, if the great church of God, if devil can get into them and make them say, I'm this, and you because you belong to this, uh, we just can't associate together, he won't have to shoot a shot. We're fighting one another. See? But when that wall is broke down and we are not divided, all one brethren are we, see, all one spirit in Christ, God dividing himself among us together that together we might be the great ransom church of the living God. Then you're going to see something happen, man. Now, noticing, when he speaks to you, if he speaks back, as thus saith the Lord, certain, certain things will happen. Now, you put that down. You might not be able to see a, a scratch difference right then. Maybe sometime that you will not see it. God makes a promise, but he keeps his promise. Yeah, I like to refer to this. You, did you know that some people just think that because it doesn't happen instantly, that's, that, that's all? Uh, if God didn't hear you, that's a mistake. If you believe it, it happened. But if you didn't believe it, well, it, don't make any difference. it wouldn't happen anyhow. But if you believe it, it's a finished product right then, when you, when you believe it. Now, there's so many things I could refer to. One time, this couple little women, I like to refer to that because it always stuck with me. Is on the platform, there was a little lady came up on the platform, and a little housewife, little mother, and the Holy Spirit said to her, uh, you are so-and-so, you, you are a certain, certain woman. Yes, yes. And uh, you suffer with the stomach trouble, which is, you was at a doctor a few days ago, and he told you you had a gastric ulcer. Yes, that is so. Your husband works at a certain, certain, yes, that is so. All this. Then she started off, and then the Spirit spoke, Thus saith the Lord, you are healed. Oh, my. That has to happen. That just has to happen. Then uh, she went home, and she said, Well, I'm healed. Husband, before we get there, won't you buy me a hamburger? Like well, kill her. A couple days later, she was still, she gets so sick when she, and her husband finally said, You're bringing reproach upon the cause said, you shouldn't testify that. Two weeks passed. She was still trying to eat. Just as sick as it should take it. The, her husband went to the doctor, told him, said, he'll kill her. 
But, but she said, look, that man did not know me. And if a spirit was standing there or with him that could tell him who I was and what my trouble was, I believe it was the Spirit of God. And she said, Live or die, he spoke, Thus saith the Lord. said, I believe it. That's right. I believe it. A couple mornings after that, which had been somewhat four weeks after she had been prayed for. See, that didn't mean she wasn't healed. She was healed right then. Abraham was given a promise that he would receive a son, and 25 years later before he got it. But he was strong in faith, giving praise to God. That's what real Pentecostals ought to be. Abraham seed. So one morning she said, Well, I, I was then about 300 miles away from the place in another revival meeting, and she come to the place to testify. She said, The husband went to work that morning. She said, Oh, my stomach was burning. And she said, After a while I was washing my dishes, and I was weeping. She said, Just thinking, Oh, God, how great you are. How great. You make this sun to shine. You, you do all these great things. And said, so How great thou art, O God. Just praising his name as she stood there. Said so a real funny feeling went over. And said, so She thought, Wonder what that was. See, now, you don't have to feel nothing. Jesus never did say, Did you feel it? He said, Did you believe it? And you believe it. But then she felt something go over. She said, Well, I don't know what that was, a strange feeling, I feel so good. She just went ahead and said, maybe I was just praising the Lord, the Holy Spirit bless me. She went on washing this, she got real hungry. So I guess all mamas are like this. The kiddies had left some oats in the plate, so she got real hungry. That was the thing that was just burn her up with oats. So she just taken a spoonful or two of oats and ate. So after she had swallowed them, she thought, well, it can't burn no worse. But in a few moments. It wasn't burning. So she got her a couple more spoonfuls. Didn't bother her. And she got her a piece of toast. That didn't bother her. So she just went and fried her two eggs, got her some toast and a cup of coffee, and had a gastronomical jubilee. <laughs> so she just, she just sat down and ate a good breakfast. She waited about an hour and a half, two hours. She just felt fine, getting hungry again. So she felt so good, she run down to the neighbor, and her neighbor had been farther down the prayer line the night before and had been uh, a great big growth on her neck. And the same thing happened, told her all about it, said, Thus saith the Lord, that growth shall disappear. And so she wanted to run to her neighbor a few doors down the street. What had happened? And said when she got there, she thought they was having a funeral service or something. All the screaming and going on she ever heard. She jerked open the door, and here was a woman standing with a sheet in her hand. And she said, what's the matter, dear? She said, you know what? I got up late this morning, and she said, I can't find that thing anywhere. It's left my throat. I shut everything and everything. I can't find it nowhere. <laughs> and here they both was giving testimony. What was it? When God had pronounced it, that angel had passed through the neighborhood, confirming the word that he had spoken in the name of the Lord. See? Though it tarries, yet will it speak. Is that right, brother? It must speak. So always keep that in mind. Oh, you're so nice, I can't even hardly get a text. I got something on my mind I want to say. 
I'll just, you bear with me just a few minutes after you want to. So, we hope to get into the prayer line after a bit. So, when we went to Africa just recently to show you, now I do thank God for schools, for churches, and for all that He has done. I'm so grateful to God. But yet, did you know that wasn't the commission? The general commission was going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, in order to preach the gospel, the gospel came not in word only, but through the power and the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you follow it on down, I'm quoting Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. Just teaching the Word will not do that. It must be the Holy Spirit manifesting the Word. See? But what did we do? We went along and made schools and organizations and churches and, and hospitals, which is very nice. We cannot say one thing against them, but that wasn't the idea. Now, when I went to Africa, I remember it. Now, my Baptist brethren here, please don't. I'm, I love you. You're my brother, see. But I was a missionary Baptist minister for years. And when I'd tell them about these things, it scared me to death. They said it was of the devil. <laughs> no, I didn't want nothing to do with the devil because I loved the Lord Jesus and never knew nothing about it. He appeared to me and told me what it was. Now, when I come back and told Dr. Davis, General Oversteer, and I said, uh, Dr. Davis, I met that one who talks to me, and it was a man. And he told me these things. He told me I was to preach all around the world, and these things take place. He said, with a seventh grade education, I suppose, Billy, you're going to preach the king. I said, that's what he said, brother. He said, Billy, what did you eat that night for supper? <laughs> I said, well, uh, Dr. Davis, if that's it, I just might as well give you my fellowship card right now. I said, because to me it was God. I don't know what it was to you. And, of course, you've heard it in the voice of healing. He's preaching divine healing himself now. So, however, when the angel said that, and I, when I went into Africa and found an Africa, what did I find? I'm not degrading. Nothing. I'm very thankful for everything that the Lord has did. All of you remember that. Everything the Lord has done, I'm thankful. But I'm trying to say we're living in another day above that now. See, we're, we're getting up to where God wants to do greater things than what He has done. He wants to bless His church. He wants us to come together and not argue about I'm the assemblies of God or I'm the church of God. What difference does it make? We are Christ. That's it, see? We are Christ, not... We mustn't think that. And um, one of us riding one hump camels, two hump camels, and three hump camels. What difference does it make? Jacob dug one well, and the Philistines run him away from it, and he called it malice. He dug another well, and the Philistines run him away from it, and he called it strife. He dug another well, so he said, there's room for us all. <laughs> so I think that's what it is. Those on all different kinds of camels, we can ride right on up and get a drink. <laughs> There's room at the fountain for all of us. So um, when I got there, I thought I would find maybe the missionaries, David Livingston's on every corner. But what did I find? But my missionaries is different than what I thought it was. They had the compound out there where the colored man that 
could not uh, keep tribal paint on anymore, they could come here and teach us morals. Them people could in Africa. Sure they could. For instance, in one tribe there in the Bazookas, if um, the Shanga, Bazooka, Koza, Oma, so many different tribes, but if a young lady, they never know how old they are, but if a young lady is not some man has taken her, they have polygamy, but if some man has been taken her for a wife at a certain size, she has to take her tribal paint off and leave the, the tribe because it's something wrong. If she is, before she is married or taken for a wife, She's examined for her virgin. If she be found guilty, she has to tell the man that's done it they're both killed together. There'll be a lot of deaths around the United States anyhow that search them out like that. But there's no nightlife among them. No, sir, they're clean, moral as they can be. And then um, they came in by the tens of thousands to the meeting when we gathered at Durban. Now was Billy was with me, I said, son. Go down and give out some prayer cards this afternoon. And then when he come back in a few moments, he and the mayor of the city, Sidney Smith, they didn't, he didn't have pockets in his coat. <laughs> he said, give out prayer cards. You go down there and try it once. He said, you can't do that, Daddy. So I said, well, okay. So Mr. Smith, Sidney Smith, the mayor of Durban, he um, taking me out to the Brother Branham of all the history of Africa. There's nothing like this ever been seen. And he said, that Durban racetrack is so full of people till they're all the way across the track on the other side. Thousands times thousands, over a hundred thousands are just laying there. So they're coming from streams from all parts of the country. And they brought their loved ones for weeks at a time, bring them through the jungles to where they had to, the lion would get after them. They'd have to shimmy them up the tree. Excuse that expression. That's, uh, I, I know you all have better English than I do, we do down there. And so... Uh, I've got a little Georgian over here. I want him to talk for you one of these <laughs> You talk about having a gift of interpretation. <laughs> you, you, you Yankees up here really have to have it. To hear these Georgia people talk. They come up to a filling station, ask for a motel, and they won't know if they want, they say they want some old tires. <laughs> Georgia. So, however, and we went out, started out to this great place where we were going, and as we got out there, going out, we seen these natives in the city, blanket natives now, and they had a little tag around their neck, and I said to Sidney Smith, I said, Mayor, what is those tags? He said, oh, they're Christians. I said, well, what are they packing an idol for? He said, ask them. He said, that man, said, he's a Shunga, I can speak his language, drive up, call him anything you want to. So. I, we drove up the side of him, and I called him Thomas <laughs> because I thought that'd be a good name for him. You know, supposed to be a Christian packing an idol. And I said, Thomas, yes. Are you a Christian? Yes, 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 he's a Christian. I said, Why are you packing the idol for? Oh, his father packed it. See, that's a good reason. <laughs> One day the lion got after his father, so he he set the little idol down and and build a fire instead of prayer. The witch doctor told him the lion run away. So it was God. Oh, I said, I'm a yakta. Yakta means hunter. Leo, Leo, Leo means lion. Leo, yakta. I said, the fire scared the lion away. Not, not the witch doctor's prayer. 
Oh, well, if Amalia, Amalia means um, the wind, unseen force like God that you don't see, you know, like the Holy Spirit. If he failed, listen, what he said, he just packed her for safety first. <laughs> That's the strength of Christianity. Did he Smith said, see? Said, you see why it's hard to get in here as a missionary? I said, yes, sir. We went on to the meeting, so that afternoon, way across the track, I had taken, I had, I had to have 15 different interpreters. See? You'd speak one word and say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to the earth to save sinners. Well, I'd go get a drink of water and sit down and talk to somebody. Come show us the all hand interpreters. You have to write down what you said in order to come back. So I'd give them a simple little message of the Bible, what Jesus was. Now I said, each of you missionaries, go get three people out of some tribes out there and bring them up. There's about 10,000 Mohammedans there, too, which were Indians. And um, now not our American Indian, but the India from India. So I said, um, oh, they're very, very hard. I seen one missionary there said, oh, Brother Branham, I've been here 20 years. I've got one precious jewel. See, the, the, the Mohammedans came from the old race of the Medo-Persians. And they do not change or alter their laws, you know. So once the Mohammedan brother, you don't change them, see. So as it went on, so then they called them. I said, get three out of each one of the tribes and bring them. So they got down there and finally brought them around. And the first one on the platform happened to be a Mohammedan woman. The red dot between her eyes, and she is a thoroughbred Mohammedan. And I said... Um, do you understand English? She said, yes, sir. And I said, well, are you a Mohammedan? She said, I am. I think you pronounce it, you're a Mohammedan, but it said, I am. And I said, then why did you come to me as a Christian? Why didn't you not go to your priest? She said, I believe that you can help me. Oh, I said, as a Mohammedan, you should not believe that. You should believe that if Mohammedan is, if the prophet Mohammedan is God's servant, they believe in God. See, they're, they're children of Abraham, but not of the promise. We understand that. Too. So she, they, they ring that big bong of a morning and say, there's one true and living God, and Mohammedan is his prophet. We say there's one true and living God, and Jesus is his son. See, that's the difference. And the Mohammedans say, far be it from God having a son, the Spirit having a son. So they, and so they, I said, well, why did you go to your priest? She said, I believe you could help me. Well, I said, did you ever read the New Testament? She said, I have. Have you considered Christianity? She said, I have. Considered it. I said, why did you choose Mohammedan? She said, well, because of, I think that, that the Mohammedan religion made no promises. But the Bible of Christianity made promises through Jesus, the prophet, that his disciples would do the same thing he did, and said, Mohammedan made no such promise. Therefore, they both promised life after death. And I've seen not one of the prophet Jesus, his disciples, doing what he did. Therefore, I am a Mohammedan. That's a very good, sensible answer. Now I said, well, Jesus gives a lot of joy. She said, now, Mohammedan can produce just as much psychology as Christian religion can. 
just as much emotion. They can shout just as loud. They can scream just as loud. They can go through just as much as we do. See? That's right. So if you don't know what you're talking about, you better stay away from them and just leave it alone. Well, I said, then you've read the New Testament. Jesus says, you called him the prophet. I call him the son of God. I said, truly, he was a prophet. The Old Testament characters are to believe on their prophets. And he was the king prophet, the God prophet. And they were looking for him. That's just what I brought my message. She said, correctly, sir. Therefore, I asked to be the one to come up. I said, how many of you Mohammedans out there know this woman? Many of them. I said, now, if Jesus, the Son of God, has anointed me with his Spirit, and I can tell you then, just like he would if he was standing here, I said, for healing you, he's already done it. All the attributes of his salvation that he purchased for us at Calvary is already over. The only thing he could do would be prove that he was Messiah. That's right. Promised his disciples to do the same. said, I understand. And the Holy Spirit came. I told her who she was by the Holy Spirit. I said, now, your husband is a short, heavy-set man wearing a mustache. He's at a doctor the other day with you, and he gave you a female examination. He told you you had a cyst on the ovary. So that's the truth. I said, what about it now? She said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. That afternoon, nearly 10,000 Mohammedans did the same thing. See? See? Not theology but to see the power of God. See something. The next time was a white Afrikaans woman told her that she had a lump in her breast but to prepare for death. I've seen her funeral service. They had taken her from the ground dead. That same night, a woman had been dead about four hours. A friend to the mayor was raised back to life again. A young woman died. See, if I could heal, I'd have healed her. I said, I can only save what I see. The next was a little cross-eyed boy come in the line. Little uh, Zula. Any of you brothers missionaries? The Zula mission. You know what the Zula is? A big, big, heavy set. Average about 300 pounds. They throw their after guards. You know, a little shunga has to maneuver his, the big Zula. Then they had eaten this diet, you know, that blood and ever what the jelly together. And his little eyes is as crossed as they could be. And in Africa, they, you sisters like lilies? Oh, I think they're beautiful. They have some of them 16 inches across. Great big cow lilies up on the platform, some yellow. It's wild in the jungle. So then, when this little boy come up on the platform, I said, Now, anyone can see that his eyes are crossed. If you, was you in Africa at that time, brother? Was you there? Oh, India. Oh, yeah. Well, I, maybe I'll get a chance to speak of India. Was you there when it was in India? Uh, that's where I had my greatest gathering at Bombay, 500,000 at one time. So then, that's where I seen the... Well, I can't go into that. But there was a... He's done so much, I tell you, it's wonderful. And then, this little boy standing there. And I said, anyone is close enough can see the child's cross eye. I said, I could not straighten his eye. I said, I have nothing to straighten his eyes with. But I said... Maybe the Holy Spirit might be to reveal to me something that caused it, and then maybe it would cause the little lad to, to have faith to believe in Christ. And I said to him, look at me. And the interpreter, Zulu interpreter, said, look at me. And the little fellow looked up, 
I said, he was born that way. I said, now his mother and father are thin people, strange for Zulu. I said, but he come out of a Christian home because in the little hut there's a picture of Christ on the right-hand side of the wall as you go in. And about a hundred yards back, the father and mother raised up their hands. Right. When I looked back at the child, his eyes were as straight as mine. I said, of course, anyone see? Something's happened. His eyes already straight. Pass on by, son. And they passed him by. And just then I heard a fuss. How many ever know Brother Bosworth? Old Brother Bosworth. Used to be one of my sons. F.F. Bosworth. He was standing there, and I heard him carrying on something over there, some kind of a fuss. And it was a British doctor. And he was going on. He said, I want to talk to him. Brother Bosworth said, you can't do that now, sir. I said, you just cause a riot. They had a station office having tribal wars, too, you know. And so he said, you cannot do that now. So when our brother is under that anointing, he prays for the sick. He said, just please. He said, I want to speak to you. And I turned around. I said, what's the matter, doctor? He said, how do you know I was a doctor? And I said, well, what do you want? He said, I want to ask you, Mr. Branham, what did you do to that boy? I said, nothing. He said, I put him on the platform. Oh, I said, that's very nice. <laughs> he said, his eyes were straight. Now, here he stands. He had his hand on his head. He said, I put him on the platform there. His eyes was crossed. I've got my hands on him here, and his eyes were straight. So now, Mr. Branham, I can understand your telepathy. <laughs> Speaking to the people and tell them about their desires and what they've done. But said... I want to ask you something. Did you hypnotize that child? I said, did the medical, the British Medical Association give you license to practice medicine and know no more about hypnotism than that? If hypnotism will straighten a child's eyes, don't you think you doctors should start practicing hypnotism? Hypnotism? He said, Mr. Branham, I want you to know that I've been raised to believe in God. I said, that's very fine, doctor. And then some more come up. I said, just a minute. Let him on. And uh, he said, uh, well, I said, I know that God is in that lily. It couldn't grow. It's got life that we cannot find. We cannot find the uh, germ of life. We know that God is in the lily or it could not live. But said, tell me, is that God that you're speaking of so tangible that he could take that baby's cross eyes and make them come straight and you ten feet away from him? Well, I said, Doctor, is his eye straight? He said, Yes, sir. Well, I said, Did I touch him? No, sir. He said, Then that makes God somewhere between here and there, doesn't it? <laughs> I said, Just everywhere. And so then somebody started to pull him away. He said, Just a moment. It's a big web, Michael. They had, or maybe... 500 yards still people, you know, out like that, the big mic. He walked up to that mic. He said, then I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to tell you something. When I was leaving Durban about two weeks after that, there's about 20,000, 30,000 people there waving goodbye and everything, you know, come back, come back. It made the head two and three pages of the paper every day. You need what our Lord did. And there, in that, you know what he did? He ran out on the ramp jumped over from the guards and ran out there and threw his arms around me like that and hugged me and started speaking in tongues. And he said, Brother Branham, I'm a Christian. I'm returning into the fields to be a missionary. 
that British doctor. And that finished that day. The next was a boy that was so deformed. Excuse me, my sisters, if I make the wrong mistake. Uh, make a mistake, rather, saying something that I should not say. But they don't, do not wear clothes, you see. They're just as naked as they come into the earth. And when the boy come up on the platform, young fellow, he walked on his hands like this and uh, is all bent over in such a horrible condition, and they had a chain around his neck. And I said, look at that poor mortal. If anyone could help that boy and would not do it, well, he would be a hypocrite. I said, if I had anything at all I could heal the poor fellow with, I'd certainly do it, but I cannot do it. You know that. But I said, maybe the Holy Spirit could reveal to me something that might cause him to have faith <coughs> that God would heal him. And so I turned to look, and I, I, when I was looking at him, the vision, I can't explain that. You can't explain God. There's no need of trying. If you did, it would, pardon me, it would not be by faith anymore. So the boy was there. He looked to be, oh, I'd judge him to be somewhere in his 20s, 22, 25, somewhere like that. And um, I said, now I've got his attention. And I remember he was walking on his feet, the uh, back part sticking way up like this and swayed in the back like a horse, you know sway back horse and walking on his hands like that. And he's thinking I want him to, to do a tribal dance. The, the people that leads the tribes that come in and they clown for the tourists for doing tribal dances. He's going, ah, bah, 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 bah. And I, I, I said, if I can just get his attention a moment, catch his spirit. And he said, I, I said, oh, what he's thinking of now, he's really not thinking of himself. I said, this boy became that way when he was just a child. And just then, his father and mother raised up way down here. That was true. And I said, he's also from a Christian, uh, professed Christian home. That was right. And I said, but what he's thinking of is his brother. And I said, his brother was either riding on a yellow goat or a yellow dog. And he fell and hurt his leg. He's walked on two sticks now for the past three or four years. But I, and as I look back, I see his brother going running, leaping like that. And I said, watched it. And I said, but thus saith the Lord, his brother is healed. And went ahead like this, and way down, oh, almost two city blocks, I heard a great scream. <laughs> and they had about, I guess, 300 soldiers, militia, you know, to kind of keep order. And here his brother come with these sticks over his head, jumping just as hard as he could. Well, it take about 20 minutes to get him quietened again, you see. We get him quietened. I looked back again to him, and I said, Now, I, I cannot do nothing but pray for the boy. And I seen like a blue shadow above him, and I looked, and in the vision, here he stood, up on his feet, the whole brother. There's all the devils out of hell couldn't stop it then. If he would tell me that, that George Washington was going to rise from the presidential graveyard, I'd invite the world to come watch it done. Right. He's... I've seen thousands times thousands of visions, and I'll take anybody to record, never one of them failed. It can't fail. It's God. How can God fail? So I know the boy's going to be healed. I thought, here's my chance right now. I said, how many here will receive Christ as their Savior if this boy will be made well? Just as far as I see those black hands, Shungas, the Zutus, uh, everywhere like that, Indians, everywhere. And I said, stand up on your feet, son. Jesus Christ makes you well. Of course, he, the interpreter told him that, but the boy wasn't even mentally right. 
So he kept on, uh, blah, 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 and I trying to do a dance. He thought he was bringing him up as a clown, you see, to dance. So I walked over and took hold of the chain that they had on him where they led him. I said, stand up on your feet. Jesus Christ makes you well. And the boy said, and when he did, the tears dropped off on his black belly. He stood there and looked around like that for the first time in his life. That crowd just went into frantic. There he was not only was he healed, straightened up, but in his right mind. I said, how many of you will receive Jesus Christ now as personal Savior, one who loves you? And I said, stand to your feet. Thirty thousand blanket maidens stood at one time. You Canadians don't earn Baxter, don't you? Brother Earn Baxter? He was sitting right there at the platform. And Brother Baxter said, Brother Branham, I believe they meant a physical healing. I said, let me run it through this. And old Brother Bosworth just beat me. He said, Brother Branham. He said, the Holy Spirit's just taking my life from me. And I said, I did not mean physical healing. I meant to receive Christ as Savior. You that's packing idols, if you understand, break your idols on the ground and like a dust stone for them idols broke. Thirty thousand raw blanket natives come to Christ in one altar call. You think that's, let's see, thirty, ten, twenty, thirty, well, that would be about ten times the size of Pentecost. <laughs> that's right. About ten times the size of Pentecost. And the next morning, the mayor called me over to my hotel room. He said, Brother Branham, go to your window, the side that faces the lake, right away. Brother Bosworth had been there said, Brother Branham, I estimate. And I said, Now, you that wants to be prayed for, just believe the Christ that I'm talking about. And I offered one congregational prayer. Now, there'd only been about three people on the platform. Offered one congregational prayer, and it was an estimated of 25,000 outstanding miracles took place at once. See, we're not indocumented. We are, we are Methodists. We are Baptists. We are Presbyterian. We are uh, oneness, twoness, threeness, and, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. They know nothing about it. They're just looking for a God that had something that could answer back. See? Then, you know what? I went to the window, and coming down that street, if I shall live to be a hundred and to be in my mind, I shall never forget that. There come seven big British vans, I don't know what you know what they are or not, but as long as you're back to that wall, loaded full of crutches, boards, wheelchairs, instruments that then been packed out of the jungles for hundreds of miles and weeks coming like that. There they was in them, the seven van loads piled up to the top, and behind that comes Zulus, Bazutus, Shunga, Kozas, and all those behind it that was in those things the day before, coming down the street saying in their own native tongue, only believe all things are possible. Oh, what a hour! You Canadian women don't do this. But I'm going to say this for what is America. The American women get so every year they take off a few more clothes. Just to, 
get down to first short dresses, now to little bitty uh, things that look like man's clothes and things to wear. It's a disgrace. It's a shame. It's a, it's, it's, a woman said to me, she said, Brother Bam, I don't wear shorts. She said, I wear slacks. I said, that's worse. The Bible said it's an abomination for a woman to put on a garment that pertains to a man. That's right. That's right. And I said, you should never do that. So, brother, don't, uh, uh, when you go to the store, you can't buy nothing else than them sexy-like clothes. I said, someday you'll answer at the judgment bar for committing adultery. You might be as pure as a lily to your husband. You might be as pure as a lily to your boyfriend. But the Bible said, Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. Now I said, if you put yourself out there and dress like that, and the sinner looks at you and lusts after you, who's guilty? You're the sinner. And he's going to answer for that. And who did he commit the adultery with? You. Who's guilty? You for presenting yourself like that. Now I said, you'll be guilty of committing adultery. When that sinner has to answer for committing adultery, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her. Who's guilty? You. That's right. This lady said, wrote me a letter. She said, Mr. Bram, they don't make clothes like you're talking about. This is the only kind of I said, but they still have goods and they sell sewing machines. So there's no excuse about it. See? That's right. Listen, I want to say this, just remember this, if they ever start wearing shorts in Canada and things, you see, if they ever do, you just remember this. Those blanket native women, young and old, not knowing which is right and left hand, standing there nothing but a clout of beads on, just as naked over their body as they could be, not knowing they were naked. But the very minute that they accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, they folded their arms to walk out from the presence of man. Then tell me why that if these people who call themselves Pentecostal or Christians or Methodists or Baptists, how is it each year you claim to have the same Christ and the same Holy Spirit and trying to expose yourself more every year? Why would that Holy Spirit make a woman cover herself up to get out of the presence of man and when you see him the next day, they got some kind of clothes on? Why would it make some put on clothes and others take them off? God doesn't work like that. There's something wrong somewhere, brother. Oh, my. Let's get away from our social ideas and get back to the gospel. Amen. Back to the truth. Back to the No wonder we can't have a church. How could God ever build a church upon a foundation like that? Amen. Let's go back to the truth, brothers and sisters. I'm so sorry. I ought to call the prayer line right now. But let's talk. Are you in a hurry? Let's bow our heads just a moment. Forgive me, if you folks, for taking that much time. I just get... I told you to come up here to rest. I'm kind of nervous, and I come up to rest, and I... Excuse me. Most holy God, right into thy holy presence and before the throne of mercy, we come presenting ourselves now. We are unworthy people, Lord. Thou art God, full of mercy, full of goodness. Be thou nearest to forgive us. 
When my heart thinks of Africa, of India, oh God, how it bleeds. How could I spend tens of thousands of dollars for foolishness and poor little kitties laying there dying with swelled up bellies with nothing to eat? Oh God, help us to understand. How could we ride around in a fleet of Cadillacs, new ones every year, and all these things, and our brothers over yonder preaching the gospel with no shoes on? They'll stand in the day of judgment with us. What can we do? Us here arguing whether we should go to this church or that one. Oh, America, America, how awful he hovered you. Thank you, Father, for the true Spirit of God, for this time of fellowship around the testimonies and with the brethren in this grand little place called Grandy Pierre. How we thank you for these fine Scandinavian, German, Indians, and so forth that separated themselves from the things of the world and consecrated their lives to thee, to be thy loving children. Not caring what the world shall say, but believing that you're the Christ, the Son of God. Trying to live examples before the people that all men might see Christ in them. We thank you for it, Father. As we open the Word, no man can open it, Lord. Only any man is physical enough to pull back the pages to do that. But we read in the Bible that there was one sitting up on the throne life to our hungry heart. We thirst for thee, O God. As a heart painteth for the water brook, our soul thirsts after thee, O God. Tear us down our selfishness. Take the, the world out of us, Lord, and make us sweet, humble, meek, God-fearing Christians. Our spirits all broke up, so it is written, He that goeth forth sowing in tears will doubtless return again rejoicing, bringing with him precious sheaves. That's our desire, Lord. Bless Grandy Prairie, Lord. Bless its ministers. Bless its people. God, I pray that you'll make them angels of mercy, angels of light. Grant it, Lord, for we're living in the closing scenes now. Soon you shall come, and we'll see him. All troubles will be over then. Until then, Father, keep us anointed with thy love and thy spirit, giving us the bread of life that we might serve others. It's this purpose we ask in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Over in the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, the twelfth chapter and the forty-second verse, just for a little context. I'm ashamed to keep you here this long, but I, I know I only got one more night, and I, I just, just wish we had a long time. I've never gotten to preach to you yet. I, I usually just get on little testimonies because then I don't get off on if preaching you're anointed this way, discernment is this way. See. And you shake yourself one from the other. So just to talk to you a little while, I want to read a, a little portion of Scripture here because my words will fail. God's words will not fail. 
when the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, her greater than Solomon is here. I like to use that for a context. Or greater than Solomon is here. If you, when you go home, might read the previous chapter in this chapter. Jesus had been rebuking these uh, Pharisees of his days because they had failed to recognize he was their Messiah. They had been satisfied, and the people of that day is a whole lot like today, that the people were looking to the church for salvation. Now, I make this statement. If you are a Catholic and you're looking to the church for salvation, you're lost. If you are a Baptist and you're looking to the church for salvation, you are lost. If you are a Pentecostal and you're looking to the church for salvation, you are lost. But if you are Catholic, Pentecostal, or Baptist, or whatever you may be, and you're looking to Jesus Christ for salvation, you're saved. For by faith are we saved. Now, today the people has got it to a place that they are looking to the church for salvation. The church doesn't bring salvation. Salvation is of Christ. See? The church doesn't have salvation. Christ has salvation. Now, I would like to say this, that they looked to the church for salvation, and what did they get? Creeds and organizations and, and so forth, and that's the same thing today. So they were satisfied to believe that that was God's perfect will for them to have and those creeds and so forth and to do those things. So now we find out that during that time Jesus came on a perfect answer to their prophecies that he was to come. Now, all of us admit that Jesus did not come contrary to the Scriptures. He come exactly with the Scriptures, but contrary to the way that the priest had told the people that he would come. Now, the prophets had talked about, for instance, Isaiah, that all the mountains skipped like little rams and the leaves clapped their hands and the high places is made low and the low places made high at the coming of John the Baptist. Well, I expect the people thought that God would just open up the corridors and stand down the golden stairs and a great mighty prophet dressed in their priest's clothes would walk down and say, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. I have just come from the corridors of heaven to greet Caiaphas here and the uh, great job he has done and to the different priests and what jobs they have did. That's the way they were expecting it. But what did it happen? A no fuzzy face looking woodsman come out of the wilderness with not a he went in the wilderness at the age of nine, Zachariah's son, born to odd birth, come out of the wilderness standing on there rebuking those priests and saying, You generation of snakes in the grass, who warned you to flee from the wrath that's to come? What a different man. What was he standing in mud up to his ankle, dressed in fine clothes, a piece of sheepskin wrapped around him with a camel skin belt on? 
But oh my, how he shook the region. He had the gospel. It was altogether different. And they said, this is a wild man drowning people with water. Yeah, he's a, he's a, my, what a God that is. Then when Jesus came, a black name behind him as an illegitimate child being born out of holy wedlock, an outcast and so forth. And here he comes forth discerning the hearts of the people and telling them their thoughts and perceiving their thoughts and doing exactly what God said he would do and the prophets said he would do. Then they said, this man is the devil. See, they said, they had to answer to their congregation. They were standing there. They, it was beyond a, a doubt that he was doing it, so they had to make something of it. So they just said, instead of studying it out in the Scriptures, as Jesus said, um, uh, to study the Scriptures, search the Scriptures, there are they which testify of me, he said. Instead of doing that, they answered to the congregation, he is Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Now, anyone knows that a fortune teller is a devil, that's all. It's a devil spirit. But see, they were calling the Spirit of God a devil spirit. That's the reason Jesus told them that was blasphemy of the Holy Ghost and should never be forgiven. See? Now, and so he had done these signs and they was, uh, he was rebuking them because they had not believed it. They, they wanted to, they, they could not believe and yet the Jews were commanded to seek for that kind of a sign. Now, don't the Bible say the Jews seek signs? The Greek wisdom, Paul said, and we preach Christ crucified. See? The Jews would seek signs because they were commanded to do so. That's the reason they were done it, so they would not miss their Messiah. See? Because he was to be a sign to the church, to the people. And he had done exactly what he was supposed to do. And yet, they did not believe him because of their tradition. So Jesus was rebuking them for their unbelief. They should have believed it, but they did not. And we find out that in all generations, everywhere, in all generations, where God appears, supernatural signs come. There never has been a revival. Take Luther, Wesley, whoever it might be, divine healing and great signs and wonders accompanied every revival. For God is supernatural. And where the supernatural is, supernatural will be done. And the reason it's supernatural because supernatural spirit gets a hold of people and performs supernatural things. See, God is a creator. And if He is in our heart, well, the Spirit will always say amen to His Word. Yeah. Now, in the Old Testament, they had, they had two ways of knowing whether a man was right. First, they had a law. There's the Ten Commandments. But if a prophet prophesied, and then a dreamer dreamed a dream, they had another way of finding out, no matter how good it sounds, see, they had a way of supernatural. God always vindicated Himself. Don't forget this. Amen. Okay? God vindicates Himself by supernatural all ages. Then, here come a man that was a prophet, and he prophesied. And it sounds just so real with his theology. It sounds so real that it was perfect. But you see, in this day, they've been 400 years without a prophet. 
So they said they got a bunch of man-made theology. I don't say this to disregard, but brethren, that's what we got into again. That man-made conception of what church ought to be, what Christ ought to be, want to be different now. If I said that just to be different, then God have mercy on my soul. I ought to be down here at the altar. But I've got to tell the truth. See? Now, now watch. And the minister and brethren know this. That if a prophet prophesied or a dreamer dreamed a dream, no matter how good it sounds, they take them first to the what's called Urim Thundum. Now that was a breastplate that Aaron wore. Twelve stones of the twelve tribes that hung on a post in the building. They taken this prophesier or this dreamer down there and he prophesied or, or told his dream before the Urim Thundum and if the supernatural lights begin to flash, God moving against this twelve stones made a conglomeration of lights like a rainbow that was God saying it's true. But if it did not do it, then they did not believe it. No matter how well it sounded, it was wrong. Now, when that priesthood was done away with, the Aaronic priesthood, then that Urim Thundum was taken away. But in this priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood, we also have a Urim Thundum. No matter how well a minister can tell you that the days of miracles is past, that there is no such a thing as speaking in tongues in this day. There is no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That won't flourish on God's Urim of Thundum. And the Urim of Thundum of this day is the Bible. If the Bible says it so, how can you say it was just for the apostles? Peter said on the day of Pentecost, Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to them, it's for all, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I can clearly show you where God gave the church power to heal the sick. Now, if somebody show me where he said, now, I'll take it back. Show me that where it's at. It isn't there. It's the power is in the church, but the church has forgot it. They don't practice it. They don't put it into practice. So you see, it's become again a theology, a man-made theology. And when it does, it doesn't compare with God's Bible. God's Bible still remains the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The works that I do shall you also. Oh, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. See? Oh, it's he that believeth on me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Believest thou this, he said? Martha said, Yea, Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God that was come into the world. That where have you been? Because only something had to happen. When real faith is brought up with the Word of God, Therefore, brethren, the Word of God is right every time. But those priests had wound it around and made traditions. We are Pharisees. We wash the pots this way. We are sad Sadducees. We wash them this way. Huh. Oh, my. What is it? Taking one from... It's like today. I'm a Methodist this week, a Baptist this week. A, you know what? It's just like taking one, a corpse from one morgue to another. That's just exactly about the truth. It's adjoining churches. Why don't you forget about it and get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven? There's where it will never be changed. 
That's right. Written by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ in heaven. There she won't have to change it from church to church. Your name is only one church. One Christian church. And there's only one way into it. Not handshaking, not sprinkling, not some form of baptism of water, but by one spirit. We are all baptized into one body and become members of the body of Christ. Now, but you see, they took their traditions and made the commandments of God of non-effect. Jesus was trying to tell them, I've come just exactly the way the prophet said I would come, and you would believe it not. And just this word behind you, they said, we would seek a sign from thee. <laughs> we would seek a sign. Oh, every, every generation, God has had gifts in his church. Now, we notice before we get to our text, he referred back to Jonah. And a lot of people has always thought of Jonah as being a man that missed the will of God. I don't believe that any man walking in the will of God can miss the will of God. I don't believe that any man walking in the Spirit can miss the will of God. He might think he did, but God makes it all work together right. He brings everything out right. Some of you ministers have thought, oh my, why did I come to this place? Oh, why happened over here? Why did I leave this? But I felt led to do it. I talked to a little minister today, brother, I was here on the platform, leaving the church and going to the Indians where he just has to go here and there, wherever he can, leaving a fine church. Said he felt led to do it. I said, son, stay with your leading. That's no matter if you have to lay on your stomach and drink branch water and eat soda crackers. And you had to swap chicken three times a day. Stay in the will of God. That's right. No matter what the price is, stay with it. God called it. Now, we find that that be true. Now, notice another thing. Then we find that he referred to Jonah. He said, as it was in the days of Jonah. Uh, evil and a governor's generation seeks after a sign. There will be one given him. As it was in the days of Jonah. Now, Jonah, we know, we think that God sent him over to Nineveh, but he got on the road and went to Tarshish. We think the prophet backslid, he didn't backslide. I was reading a, a something on him here not long ago, and uh, it sounded very good to me. And here's the way it went. Jonah got on the boat, and he went down, and people thought that he was out of the will of God, but he was in the will of God. We know a storm came up. And they tied his hands behind him and his feet and threw him out into the water. And God had a big whale to come up or a big fish and swallow him. And anyone knows that when a fish eats, it usually goes down into the water and then rests its swimmer, it floats swimmers on the bottom of the water. Feed your little goldfish and watch what happens. He gets his little belly full, he'll go right down and put his little swimmers against the bottom and rest a while, see? He's got his tummy full, so he, he just goes down to rest. Well, when this whale got his tummy full of preacher, he, he goes right down and to the bottom to rest. And um, I always felt sorry for Jonah. You know, Jonah, if there's anybody that's got a, a reason to talk about symptoms, so many others say, well, I was prayed for, but I'm still sick. What has that got to do with it? You were asked to believe, not to feel, but believe. And you say, well, I was prayed for I had a bad hand two nights ago. No difference. I guess I missed it. Well, you missed it at the beginning. See? 
If you'd have believed it at the beginning, you'd never paid attention to that. Talk about symptoms. Jonah had symptoms. Looky here. Now, he was down in the bay of the whale, hands tied behind him, feet tied behind him, in a stormy sea, probably 40,000 feet in the sea, in the belly of the whale, the vomit of the whale all around him. He looked this way, it was whale's belly. That way was whale's belly. Everywhere he looked was whale's belly. There's nobody here that bad off tonight, I'm sure. Oh, whale's belly everywhere he looked. But you know what he said? He refused to see it. He said, there are lying vanities. But once more, will I look to your holy temple, Lord. Oh, my. Jonah knew that when that temple was dedicated, that Solomon prayed and said, God, if thy people be in trouble anywhere and will look to this holy temple and pray, then hear from heaven. And Jonah had confidence that that man had faith in God and God heard Solomon's prayer. And God kept that man alive three days and nights in the belly of that whale and delivered him over to the right place. Well, he put an oxygen tank in there, I don't know what he done, but he kept him alive. And if Jonah, under those circumstances, in that condition, could look to a temple that was made by man and prayed over by man, how much more ought we tonight? Under these conditions, look away from a temple but to the throne where God sits there in Jesus on his right hand with his own bloody garments, making intercession for our profession, setting as a high priest upon a throne. Symptoms doesn't mean anything to us then. God sits there and that's all. Jesus is sitting there tonight to make your confession right before God. He's a high priest to make intercessions upon our confession. You've got to believe it and confess it that it's so. And then Jesus can go to work on it for you. Oh, yes. God kept him alive three days and nights. And we find him there. We was told that all the Nimbadites had turned away from God and went to worship in animals, which is a heathen tree. And there's most all around Nineveh, it was on the seashore, so the occupation was fishing. And the god of the sea was the whale. He was the largest species in the, in the ocean. And that was the god of the ocean. One day about forenoon, when they were all out there fishing, the thousands of them fishing, all at once up come the big whale god, run up to the shore and licked his tongue out. And the prophet walked out of his mouth. Sure he repented. Surely the God of the sea delivered the prophet right out. God knows how to do things. Sure he had to put him in a whale's belly. Don't you see? So Jonah didn't misbehave God. He didn't miss it. He, he minded God. God did that to show that he was God. Let him walk out of the whale's mouth. Right out on the shore. And that was the God delivering the prophet. Sure they would hear him. I can see him going through the street and that bald head shining, saying, Repent and forty days! This city will be destroyed while they put sackcloth on their animals. They repented. Yes, sir. Oh, Jesus referred back and said, An evil and a, I'm going to listen to this. 
that an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after signs. Seeks after signs. Everybody's got to have a sign. This is got an evil and an adulterous generation. I'll tell you one thing. If you listen close, you'll find out he was talking about this generation. Yeah. A wicked, evil, and an adulterous. Like Sodom. I was in Los Angeles a few weeks ago to a great revival over the assemblies of God on the Miss Broad toward Long Beach, picked up a paper, and homosexual has increased 40%. Man, with the natural use of life, perverted. Look, nations are crumbling. Sin took over. What do they do to the, what have they done all along to the church of God? Lashed at them and called them holy rollers and Pentecostal fanatics. They've got it coming to them. The nations has got it coming. All these nations has to give away. For there's coming a kingdom. Hallelujah. Go call me a holy roller anyhow, so you might as well get used to it right now. Yes, I believe in it. There's coming a kingdom. And a king. Oh, my. We know this. Jesus said, A wicked and an adulterous generation will seek after signs, and they'll get it. They'll get the sign, that wicked and adulterous generation. For as Jonah was in the bed of the whale three days and nights, so must the Son of Man be. What kind of a sign would this wicked adulterous generation get? The sign of the resurrection. That's what we find now. Christ alive among us. The sign of the resurrection. Amen. The Christ of Galilee. Doing the same thing, the same work for these people. Living amongst the mortals. Performing the signs of a living God among them. That wicked and adulterous generation we're living in has got the sign of Jonas, the resurrection. The resurrection power that can lift the sinner from the life of sin. Can take sinful women, unbelieving, ungodly, demon-possessed, Make believers out of me. Take man as low and stooped in morals. Make gentlemen out of them. As it was in that day, a wicked and adulterous generation would receive a sign, and it would be the sign of the resurrection. Remember in last night's message, or yesterday afternoon, that we are living in the last days in the sign of of Abraham's seed getting the same last sign. I ask any man or woman to tell me one sign promised in the Bible outside of this last sign. Sure it was. How did Abraham brought through justification, Luther's age, sanctification, Wesley's age, Holy Spirit, Pentecostal age, confirming place in the gifts of the as church, and then appeared with his back turned and discerned the thoughts of Sarah in the back and, and behind him like that. And the next thing was a fire to the unbelievers and the transfiguration of Abraham's body in them to receive the promised son. Amen. Search the scriptures and show me. We're at the end time, church. Amen. We're at the end of the road. Scoff 
jumpers, ungodly. Excuse me, I, I not want to yell. But scoffers, end time signs that we're living in now, perverted hearts, perverted minds, contrary to God, heady high minds, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinence, and despisers of those that are good. You say that's communist. That's confessed Christian. The Bible said the very next verse, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of God. From such turn away. That's scriptural. He brought it into that sign. Then the next we find out he referred then to Solomon's time. Every generation God has had gifts down to the age. Now notice, in the days of Solomon, all you Bible readers know that was the golden age to Israel. God sent them a gift. They believed it. In the days of Solomon, there was no war. They were all afraid because the people were in one heart, one accord. God gave Solomon a gift of discernment. And it was so powerful that every person in Israel, all of them believed it. They built the temple, there was no wars, and the nation sent them in gifts and things. I'll say this, because they believed in their popularity sprung all over the world and the mightiest nation there was in the world. I'll say tonight that Canada, the United States, our hopes is not built on somewhere we could go into a bomb shelter to hide from the atomic bomb. How could you ever dig out of reach of it? While the ones that we know about will blast a hole in the earth 150 feet deep for 100 miles square. That's the ones we know about. What about the ones we don't know about? Well, if you think 5,000 feet should, well, of course, you'd be in the lava. But if you went 1,500 feet, well, the concussion of that would break every bone in your body. There's no way you'd dig around it. The hour's coming. But we do have a bomb shelter. It's not made out of steel, it's made out of feathers. Under his wings, we will abide. When the bomb falls, we'll be in glory. But, you'll notice this hour has arrived to Now, what if all of the Canada, all of the United States, all of us here together would believe on the gift that God has given us, the Holy Ghost. Why, you wouldn't have to worry about Russia. Why, the nations are fear us. God has had a fear up on them. He did it when he went into Palestine. Remember what Rahab the harlot told the spies? Here we have no life left in us because we heard what God did for you. God can do the same thing. But what are we trying to do? Make our own achievement. Why not take God's way of doing it? What would happen in Canada tonight if every man and woman that professed to be Christians would come together and pray and accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Nations would be so scared in Canada. Only a little bitty handful of people here, a great big dominion as you are, but you'd, you'd have the nations on their knees. Certainly you would. Because we just don't accept it. That's all. In the days of Solomon, they all accept it. Could you imagine everybody coming through 
Palestine said, Oh, have you ever attended church yet? Oh, well, of course, I'll worship whatever, no matter what you worship. Oh, I heard you. Come over. Come over and see the great gift that God's give us. Oh, we've got it. Our God is the living God. Our God gave us a great gift. What's up on one of our brothers? We made him king. And you should come see this gift. Oh, it's perfect. It's a discernment. And people come to you and see it. Well, then they didn't have television, thank the Lord. And so there are things like we have today. And the only way they know was bringing news from lip to ear to the caravans as they pass the country. And everywhere people come into and the commerce and trade and so forth, they go away and say, you should go up in Israel. Oh, you should see what their God is did. He's put his spirit upon a man. And that man has wisdom, discernment. So powerful as nothing to stand before him. What a great thing that was. All the people wonder. All nations fear they sent thousands of sheep and oxen and everything to make peace with them. We don't want that people angry with us. Because you know, it's written, it's better than a millstone hang that your neck and on ground. So finally the word got way down into Sheba. That's across the Sahara Desert. Down in the south. The Queen of the South, Jesus referred to it. And then he said that when this little queen Everybody's coming through and pass through these great uh, uh, caravans of camels and things. They'd all say, well, how are things going up in this nation? Everybody, well, fair. But you ought to go to Israel. Oh, it's the most magnificent thing you ever see. There is God has put His Spirit upon one of the brothers. And those people are in one accord. There you are. Every Israelite believes in Him. Oh, if we just get ourselves in one heart, put our hearts up because we're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, but put our hearts up on the gift of the Holy Spirit. One heart, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Catholic, oh my, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be in the millennium. Sure, one heart. Everybody believes that you should just see them. Oh, my, how did their God pour out his wisdom upon that man? You've never seen anything like it. There's nothing in stand before him. And he's just a man. But it's God's spirit upon him. Well, well how does faith come by? Here. The little queen says, is that right? Yes. Faith. Then the next caravan comes to you. Have you been to Israel? Yes. It's just always. It's certainly true. You've never seen such in your life. I stood in the meeting there one day, and I've seen that man discern the people. So, uh, it just had to be something supernatural. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. Now, she began to thirst to go see for herself. Now, remember, she had a lot to confront. First thing, she was a pagan. Now she'd have to go down to her church and get permission to leave. Let's take us go with her a while, what do you say? She goes down and she says, Holy Reverend Father, <laughs> I have heard that there is a great supernatural power up in Israel. They're having a revival. And they tell me that their God has put his spirit upon a man and he does works that a man cannot do. It has to be their God doing it. 
Martin hears the, <coughs> the bishop, you know. My daughter, do you realize that your grandmother belonged to this church? <laughs> your great-grandmother belonged to this church. Her great-grandmother belonged to this church. You are a member here, and you're a dignified person. You are a queen. Don't you never associate yourself with that bunch of holy, uh, you know, people. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, that bunch up there, because they're just little. Oh, but sir, they tell me that they, the spirit of their God is up on a man. See? And they are, and they, he does works like God does, like their God. Well, uh, listen, my dear queen. I am your father bishop. And if there was such a thing as that, it would happen in our congregation. You know, that spirits don't die. They, they just keep living on. <laughs> it would happen with us if it was such a thing. But then it's not in our denomination. Well, of course, there's nothing to it. It's just emotion. It's probably telepathy. Oh, we have heard of such things as that, but it's rumors. Don't pay any attention to it. That didn't satisfy She said, but sir, look. They tell me that it is a living God. Dear, look at the look at the gods that we have here. <laughs> yes, that's right. All the books and gods, but I never see nothing move in them. <laughs> grandma didn't see nothing move in them, and her grandma didn't see nothing move in them. They're nothing but a bunch of words. They're nothing but a bunch of idols. But they tell me that is a living God who lives a living being. Amen. I want to see something real. Bless her little heart. I want to see something got some life to it. Not a dead island. Not a dead form of theology. I believe about the Father Almighty, Creator of Heaven and Earth. I think the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And saying that's the Apostles' Creed, show me what the Apostles' Creed back in the Bible. Not a word of it in the Bible. Right. It's man-made theory. Look, I'm not, I don't mean to be Jesus. I just want to tell you what's true. But before you can make a board stick, you have to drive it in and clinch the nail. And we got to clinch the thing. Who ever heard such a thing as possible? No, it's nonsense. All those creeds, they don't get you nowhere. You sat for years and you're still wandering about in sin and grooving in the darkness. Had a form of godliness and when the Holy Spirit performed something, you caught it a devil. You're stealing yourself away from God all the time. <laughs> Listen, brother and sister, don't you be like that. Wake up. We're at the end time. Oh, say now, dear, if there was any miracles to be done, our, our church would have it here. That didn't satisfy. Now remember, you are a queen. You belong to the the uh, Rebecca's or some other society. You are a member of the clients. Or you, you cannot associate yourself with such low trash as, as that bunch up there. You, see. you had that thrown in your face. Member what? I'm going to be a member of the body of my God. And I have all your societies thrown into a trash can. Amen. Right, right. Christ, own Christ, the solid rock out of all other grounds in the sanctuary. Anything contrary to that word, let it. Let that word be alive. Let God and mine be the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let every man's word be alive. Well, our little heart's still hungry. You know, if you're hungry, God will make a way for you. Yeah. 
Some of us said, don't worry, that, that's Pentecostal. What difference does it make? God speaks to your heart, go anyhow! You don't have to ask the bishop whether you can go or not. God speaking to you. Who's going to judge the bishop or God? Amen. Now, the first thing you know, she said, well, I'll go anyhow. Well, we'll take your name off the book. <laughs> well, let's take it off. That's right. No, I'm, I'm going. That's right. That's right. No, I'm, I'm going. That's right. I'm going because something inside of me hungers. Oh, when the deep calls to the deep, the noise of thy water spouse. I'm going anyhow. Well, will you bring disgrace upon your mother's religion? Mothers are not mothers. There's something in my heart telling me to go find out for myself. I'm not going to stand out here and criticize it with you. I'm going to find out for myself. I'm going to buy every Hebrew scroll of every prophet that ever spoke. I'm going to see what their God was like. And if their God is real and put himself what he was to those prophets up on that man, I'll say he's God. Amen. Amen. That's the way to do it. Search the scriptures. See if they're right or not. Amen. I'm not amen myself. <laughs> but amen means so be it. I, I believe it with all my heart. There. Now, she had a lot to confront. I can see her get her little camels together, or a bunch of little maids together, or a bunch of eunuchs. And, and now she said, you know what? I'm going up there, and I'm going to find out. And if it's true, I'm going to support it. So she loaded her camels with gold and frankincense and silver, rich stuff. Now she says, if I get up there, and if it's sold, I'm going to support it. If it isn't sold, I can bring my money back. That'd be a good thing for Pentecostal people to learn. <laughs> Supporting programs on telephone, on these uh, radio, and stand around laughing and call you a holy roller afterwards. That's right. Support your pastor. Support your church. Support the call. That stands for the right thing. That's right. She said, if it's not right, I'll bring my money back. If it is right, I'll owe something to it. That's the way we should feel. If this be God, not only our money, our money's little, but we owe him our hearts, our time, our talents, and everything that we have, we owe it to God. If it's right, let's go into it with everything we got. If it isn't right, go find what is right and get into it. Jesus said, if I cast out devils, you can do it a better way, come do it. <laughs> you can do it better, then come do it a better way, he said. But if I cast out devils by the finger of God, know the kingdom of God come nigh. Yeah. Now, I said, if you've got a better way than the Scripture says, let's see you produce it. That's right. I said that at a big college the other night. When the dean and all them were sitting there, he didn't know, and I like that man sitting there thinking that. Didn't know when I was catching his eye on the platform? Sure. He sat back there and said, Oh, and he sure has got, uh, certainly is a, a psychologist. He certainly. I said, Then, if I am a psychologist, Dean, I ask you to come here to the platform and carry this service on. I have no PhD and know nothing about psychology. If you've got a better way of doing it, then come here. He is a school. I said, there's a doctor of psychology. Come up here and perform it. Come on. You're a doctor of psychology. But if you can't do it, then keep still alive. Right. right. You can't do it, can't produce it, shut up. 
So we find the little queen, she got everything ready to go, and she loaded up her camels. Now remember, she had a lot to confront. Remember, in them days, the sons of Ishmael was in the desert, and they were robbers. Oh, what an easy prey for that bunch of fleet riders to ride right in on that bunch of little guards and chop them down in that, that few little women there and cut them to pieces. and crossing that Sahara Desert, and then what would they do? Take all that wealth to themselves. But you know, if you're thirsty for God, if you're hungry, there's no fear in your body. You know, if you're hungry for God, there isn't 10 million devils can keep you away from Him. You believe God, there isn't a devil can hold you. You don't think about the circumstances. You've got one objective, that's go to God. Amen. Regardless of who says anything about it. Oh, it could have been easy for him. But you see, if you are hungry and thirsty, you shall be filled. God will see that you get to hell. She never thought nothing about that. How long the journey was? Measure how far it is. From Palestine, where the temple was built, all the way down to where the queen's palace was in Sheba, across the Sahara Desert. And she didn't go across there in an air-conditioned Cadillac. She went across on a camel. It takes 90 days, three months, on the back of a camel. Some people won't come across the streets in here. Automobiles and airplanes and everything. No wonder Jesus said she'll rise in the day of judgment and contend this generation. From the utmost parts of the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But a greater than Solomon is here, he said. Certainly. And a greater than Solomon is here tonight. The Holy Spirit. The very God of Solomon. A greater than Solomon is here. What did she do after crossing the desert? She began to travel the night because of that direct rays of that sun of Beat the hide right off of them. Here she comes through those camels, riding on there, reading those scrolls, what Jehovah was. Amen. On her way, the devil said, you better go back. I'm determined to find it. Oh, brother. Blessed are they. Here it comes. Now we see that Jehovah does this. He appeared in the prophets. He did this. This is his way. The prophets foretold that here's the man with that same spirit of discernment. If that works, I'll find out. I'll go see. Now I'll see if it's right. Finally she arrived at the gate. Now, she was different from the women of 1961. That version of them. They come in, sit down a few minutes. If he says one thing contrary to our creed, he'll get stomped out. That shows he was raised for it. That's right. That shows what kind of home you came out of. No. She come to stay till she was satisfied whether it was right or wrong. She'd search it with the scriptures and try it out and see if it was right. She'd come to stay till she was convinced over and over. She'd put up her little tent and unpack the camels and scoot her money back around the places and set the guards around. The next morning I can imagine her fixing her hair all up, you know, and getting her uh, hands clean and her face and putting on her best garments and she goes over to the church. She sets down and all the uh, land, uh, the trumpet sounded, and 
the music played just before the church started. And after a while, out come Pastor Solomon. Walks out to the pulpit, begin to speak. And when the first person come up, she said, Now, I'll see him. I know just exactly what Jehovah is. They're God. I'm going to see if he works like that. He knows the thoughts of the heart. He knows the secrets of the mind. So we'll see. I know that man is a man. I've seen the standards that goes on. He's just a man like any other man. So I'll just see if that is God in that man. So the first thing, a person come across the platform of Pastor Solomon, and he told them the secrets made no one. Then her little heart began to jump. Next thing, the next day, more was said. The next day, more was said. Day after day, and finally her prayer card was called. <laughs> and so, uh, maybe not like that, but uh, anyhow, you know. But she got into the prayer line. She said, now I'll see what he says when he gets to me. So, after a while, she walked up on the platform to where he was. How do you do? And the Bible said that there was no question in her heart. But what was made known to Solomon? Amen. 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 Brother, it worked on her name. What did she do? She turned to the congregation. I am the Queen of the South. I've heard about this great gift that your God gives to this man. Now I know he's just a man. I shook his hands. I looked at him. He's a man. But there's a spirit on him. He didn't know me, but God has revealed to him what's in my heart. And she said, his God can be my God. The things that I heard about him is, is wonderful. They were all true and more than I heard. Because what worked on her? Because her own experience. More than this. Greater than I heard about and she said, even blessed is the man that's with him all the time to see the same worship that he Blessed are the men. She had never worshipped no other God but that God. Why? She was hungry and thirsty. Her heart had been satisfied. Jesus said she'll stand in the day of judgment and condemn this generation of Jews, Gentiles. For she came from the utmost parts of the world. To hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is Well, we've had about 2,500 years of teaching and experience since then. But the greater than Solomon is here. The Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ in spirit form, living in his church and bringing to pass the same thing that he did when he was here on earth, showing his resurrection to the adulterous generation. What was the matter with her? Why did she say it? Listen, friends, the closing this way. She had seen something real. And any honest-hearted person that's mentally balanced and honest and sincere wants to see something real. That's what the world's looking for today. It's not a bunch of theology. Not of some man that said, Jesus never said, well, uh, if I do not the teaching of my Father, he said, if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do the works of my Father, then believe the works. If you can't believe me as a man, believe the works that I do of my Father. She's seen something real. She's seen something out a bunch of creeds wrote out, but she's seen something real. 
That's what people want to see today, honest hearted. Something that's real. The closing, I say this. Everybody knows that I don't say I'm a hunter, I just like to hunt. My mother's mother came from the Cherokee Reservation. My conversion, since I, the first money I ever earned was 25 cents, I bought a steel trap, started trapping. I've been in business ever since. So I, I, I just love to get alone in the woods. I see God in the woods. Go up into the mountains and uh, climb up on top of the mountain, watch the sunrise, and stand there and scream before God. Here's some time ago over in Colorado. I'm a guide in Colorado, worked on ranches. One day the rancher and I went elk hunting. We'd done got all the dudes in and out, so we, we went elk hunting. We went way all back where the tenderfoot, as you call them, chichockers couldn't go. So we went way up high. And he went over to another range. I wouldn't see him for about a week. I tied up a saddle horse. It had been kind of that day had been a dry season. The elk hadn't been run down yet. Now I went way up high to the timber line. It'll come a, a rain and it'll freeze, and then it'll come a snow, and then it'll come a rain, and then the sun will shine. You know how it is in the fall of the year. I was walking along through there, my eyes closed, saying, Lord, God, you're so great, Father. Oh, you're so great. Way up here alone where there's no gasoline or cigarettes. Oh, God, no more you can live up here. And I'm going on, praise God. First thing you know, come a little storm across the mountains. I got in behind a tree, there's a blow down there, it's almost a timber line. And I got down, blow, got down behind this tree and sat down there a little bit, and the storms blowed real hard. And I had my head down like this, saying, God, you are wonderful. You're the God of the mountain. You're the God of the valley. You're God when we're poor. You're God when we're rich. You're God when we're sick. You're God when you're happy. You're a God when I'm hunting. You're a God when I'm crying. You're God and God. And I was there, after a while, the storm let up. I looked around, and I thought, well, praise the Lord, storm's over, I guess I'm going hunting for my elk now. I started to move out, and all at once I looked across towards the west, towards Canada, this way, the big sun had come across into this province here, and was peeping its great eye through the crevices in the rock. I looked around, I thought, oh, yes, Jehovah. I looked back over here, and there was a rainbow called the evergreen that grows over, you know, and the sun shines against me called the rainbow to warm across the, 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 the valley. Now, there he is. He's up here. He's looking up on the Jasper and Star of the Stone. Revelation 1, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He that was, which is, and shall come, the root and offspring of David, the morning star, the little valley. Oh, my. There he was in the rainbow. Oh, God, how great thou art. Now, oh, how wonderful. About that time, I hear an old elf bugle. Christian, you know what I mean. Hear that? Wee-hoo! Like that, I thought, oh my, he got lost in the storm. He was bugling for the rest of them. I thought, there it is, the deep, the wild calling. The old gray wolf got to howling on the hill. His mate answered him down to the bottom. Then, brother, I'll tell you, the real part come out of me. I stood there and cried like a baby. I said, oh God, how wonderful. There you are, the rainbow. There you are, the heart of the elk. There you are in the call of the wolf. You're God! Oh, how wonderful! I said, praise be to God! And around and around and around the tree, I went shouting top of my voice. Might as well tell you the truth. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. I don't care. Anybody shouts to let anybody else hear them shout, they're hypocrites. Once nobody 40 miles. 
I'll just jump up down and around and see the Lord howling and howling and howling and praise God. I could see God everywhere. It was real. Mine, I went around and around. Well, somebody came to the woods. They thought somebody was out of the insane institution. I said, I went around. I didn't care. I was having a good time. Go off some of the scenes. I've had no wonderful time. Too. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I stopped and I said, Oh, God, why should I ever go down off this mountain? My, let me live and die up here. Bury me up here. Take me home. I set my gun here. Let my son Joseph find me someday. Let him hunt with the Lord. Take me up now. Let me go. Oh, just having a wonderful time. I could have always thought sometime I'd come up missing in the woods. Let, let me go, Lord. Walk out. Take my delight in this. Send the horses along. I was always having such a wonderful time there. All at once I stopped. And when I did, a little old. I don't know where you got in here or not. Yes. Chris will leave you trapping. Them little old pine squirrels. Oh, he's a blue coat policeman of the woods. Noisiest thing you ever heard in your life. Not big enough to do anything. Jumped up on his stump and said, Chug, 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 I said, now, wait a minute, little fella. I said, what you so excited about? You didn't like that? Now, what's this? And around and around the three I said, how'd you like that? I said, you like that? I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm worshiping our Creator. You ought to do the same thing. Don't fuss at me. And I, I went ahead and I said, oh, if you don't know him the way I'm going. He's the one who gives you pine cones. Shame on you! Don't bother me when I'm worshiping. Get up! And around the tree went again. About that time I noticed the little fellow wasn't noticing me. His little eye bugged out on his cheek. He had a clock down in the bush like that. Oh, what's the matter? Directly a great big eagle had been forced down in the storm and come up. I thought, oh, that's what he's all excited about, that eagle. The wind is blowing under there. And I thought, well, now God, why would you break me up from running around around this tree here? I believe I'll make sure everything happened right. I said, why would you break me up from running around around this tree here to let me see that little old pine squirrel, that eagle? What about the eagle, old butcher? I said, what's he sitting there anyhow? And I looked at him. I thought, well, God, could you be in that eagle? I looked at him and I thought, yes, you are. Because he's not scared. That's one thing. He wasn't afraid. I said to him, and God don't want a coward. If you're ashamed to testify, don't go to the altar. Amen. You're ashamed to say, by stripes I'm healed. Amen. You're ashamed to say, yes, I received the Holy Ghost. Right. Hallelujah. God wants to put a backbone, not a wishbone in you. Take you somebody. Give you a testimony. His buddy Robinson said, give you a... A testimony like a solo. <laughs> but plenty of knowledge that Gabriel into my soul let me fight the devil as long as I've got a two-cent gummy until I die. And that was his testimony, old Uncle Buddy, you know. And so he meant that, too. So then, 85 years old, running 60,000 miles a year in a little Chevrolet car, still preaching the gospel. He wrote a book, sold a million copies, didn't know the difference between a noun and a pronoun. So I didn't know that I should wrote the thing. But he's a great man of God. Now I noticed this eagle. I thought, why are you not scared? You know what? I could take my rifle and shoot you. Of course, he knows I admire you too much to do that. He looked at me and I thought, why are you not scared of me? Because even though I watched him, he kept beating them wings. See if them feathers wasn't running. I thought, sure. That's the reason he's not afraid. He's got a God-given gift. Wings. He's got confidence in that God-given gift. He knew he could be in that timber before I get my hand on that gun. 
He had confidence. If an eagle can have confidence in his wings as a God-given gift, how much more ought we to have confidence in a God-given gift of the Holy Spirit? The chariots and the Watch the feathers that you move. I thought, well, brother, I am. I, I love you too much to shoot you. I watch you. As well, I noticed he wasn't bothered about me. He's watching that little pine squirrel going, chatter, 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 chatter. He got enough of it, as well. He just made one big bounce. He made his flock his wings about twice and went plumb beyond that timber. And when he did, that's when I see what God was doing. That big fellow never flopped anymore. He just knew how to set his wings. And every time the wind would come in, he'd ride up on it. That's why he kept going, uh, uh, up, uh, not moving a feather. Uh, uh, up, uh, till he'd come to a little spot. There I was standing there, my hands up to heaven, and oh, glory to God, that's it. It's not plop, plop, I'm a Pentecostal today. Plop, plop, I'm a Baptist tomorrow. Plop, plop, I'm going to Robert's meeting. Plop, plop, I'm going to Brother Brandon's meeting. Plop, plop, I'm going to Tommy Day. No! It's knowing how to set your wings. Your wings of faith and the power of God. Every time the glory wave comes in, right up on it. He left that little earthbound chipmunk sitting there and said, Chatter, chatter, chatter. Days of miracles just say, No such a thing as divine healing. No such thing as the Holy Ghost. He got tired listening, so he just set his wings and moved away. Just touch your wings. Just touch your wings. Faith. In the North Woods. I used to hunt with a boy, about half Indian. His name is Bert Call. He was one of the finest hunters I ever hunt with. You ever had to worry about Bert? Anywhere in the woods, you didn't have to worry about him. He'd come in and let him alone. And we used to love to hunt together, but he was the meanest man I ever seen. He had eyes like a lizard. And he used to laugh at me being a preacher. And he was a fine fellow, but he just, he just, just had, he just mean. And he used to love to shoot fawns just to make me feel bad. Now remember, it's all right to shoot a fawn. That's all right. But not just to be mean. <laughs> just to shoot it and let it lay there and laugh about it. That's wrong. That's murder. And so he used to say, oh, preacher, you're like the rest of them. Chicken hearted. You'd be a good hunter if it wasn't just a chicken hearted. I said, Bert. He said, I thought she was a hunter. I said, I'm a hunter, but not a killer. There's a lot of difference in that word. He said, oh, get next to yourself, Billy. Get next to yourself. Now, you wouldn't shoot a fawn. I said, I shot a many fawn. I said, God, Abraham killed a calf and fed it to God. And he ate it. That's right. So there's no harm killing a fawn. The law says you have it. It's all right. But don't do it just to be mean. Just to show off. So he did that just to show off. So one day I was up there, and he said... Well, Billy, your little rake come up this time, and he had a little whistle he'd made, and he took that little whistle, and he blew it, and it sounded like a little baby fawn. That's a little baby deer calling for its mammy. And I thought, Bert, you wouldn't do that. He said, oh, go on, Billy. So we always took a thermos jug full of hot uh, chocolate because it warms you up. You have to turn around or something. I'm sorry to be late, but I'll close right now. But I'm, but I'm, uh, we started out in... Those white-tailed deer, oh my, you talk about who needed to be an escape artist, he was an amateur. You ought to see them after a shot at one. Oh, they can get away like, you just see where they were. And so then, they, they were so fast. And they had done hunting season within two weeks, and while we walked all morning, didn't even see a track. Long about noontime, we usually sat down, 
eat our lunch. So it was about noon, we come into a little clearing about three or four times the size of this church here, like that. And so Bert sat down, and we hadn't seen a track or nothing, and we usually separate long about noon, and he goes one way, and I go another, and get back in sometime that night to a spike camp, where horses and things were. So then, when Bert sat down, he went to reaching back like this in his bosom. I thought he was going to get his, his, his thermos, you know, to get his chopper. So when he started to pull something out, and it was that little whistle. And I said, Bert, you wouldn't blow that. And he said, oh, preacher, get next to yourself. Look up me, them lizard eyes, you know. He took this little whistle, and he blowed it. And it sounded like a little fawn crying. Well, to my surprise, right across that place, a big mother doe, that's the mother deer, stood up. She was hid, you see, under the brush. She stood up. That's, that's uh, ira- unregular. Not in this country it might not be, but that country it is. Uh, very irregular for a doe to raise up for any deer that time of day, about 11 o'clock. She raised up. She looked around. What was the matter? She was a mother. A baby was in trouble. She looked around. I can just see those great big ears and big brown eyes looking around. No, Bert looked up to me some lizard eyes. I said, Bert, she wouldn't be there. So he blowed it again. And the mother deer walked right out of the brush into the open. Now, she wasn't putting nothing on. She was a mother. That was something born in her, a mother. Her baby was in trouble. She was looking for it. She looked around, walked out of the open. I see we never carry a shell in the chamber when we're hunting together like that. So he had a 30 6 He pulled it back and real easy and filled that shell up there, 100 and... 80 grain mushrooms, and he was a dead shot mine. He raised up like this and laid that crosshair across that loyal heart of that mother of a oh my how can you do it, Bert? How can you do it? How can you be so cruel? In a moment that poor dear that loyal heart and that mother, she won't have any heart. You'll blow it from her. How can you do it? Her looking for her baby, you deceiving her like that. She walked out. And when the boat went down on the Model 70, when it went down like that, the deer spooked, looked around. And she saw the hunter, which she jumped. No, sir. She knew she was facing death. But her baby was in trouble. She kept moving on slowly, looking for that baby, that big ears up, looking, that nose up. She seen the hunter, and she knew it was death just in a moment. That didn't make any difference to her. Her baby was in trouble. She wasn't putting on nothing like a lot of church members do. There's something real. She was born a mother. She looked around. I said, I can't look at it. I turned my back. I thought, oh God, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it, Lord. These deers in this woods, don't let him kill that poor precious mother. Don't let him do that. She's got a farm somewhere, but she wouldn't be acting like that. She thinks it's lost, it's crying for Don't let him do it, Lord. Now, wait a minute. Just listen. Anytime you hear that gun go off, and I know if it went off, it'd sure be a dead deer. And uh, she wasn't standing 30 yards from me, right in a clearing. I just kept waiting, but the gun never went off. I waited and waited. The gun still didn't go off. I thought, what's the matter? And I turned around. That steel nerve, that half Indian's, he was going like this. 
shaking the arm. He turned around and tears running down his cheeks. He broke the rock on the ground. He grabbed me around the leg, standing on his shoulder. He said, With your eyes closed, praying. How many in here would like to be the type of Christian that that dear was a mother? Would like to have the love of Christ on your heart that you could display Christ, not something put on, but a real, a birth that makes you a Christian like a birth made that dear a mother. If you'd like to have that kind of experience, will you raise up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Our Heavenly Father, this simple little story, and yet people know that they need you, Lord. They need to be a Christian. They want to be. We all want to have something real that we can say to the world, that thou art Christ, the Son of God. Grant it, Lord, tonight. May that experience come to every one of us. In this little building, maybe 150 people, more than half of them raised up their hand that they wanted that kind of an experience. Lord, it shows that they lack that kind of an experience. May Christ tonight in his law of holiness show this audience that he loves them and can give them that experience of being a real born Christian. Not nothing put on, but a real experience. Granted, Father. Through the name of Jesus, the Son of God, I ask it. While we have our heads continually bowed. Is there someone here tonight, or how many rather, that would like to accept Jesus as your Savior and say, Brother Branham, like the Queen of the South, I, I, want, I, I want Christ. Like the mother dear, I, I, I want to be a real Christian. I've never become a Christian. I've never had, never taken him as my Savior. But tonight I want to do it. Would you just stand up to your feet a minute and say, I want to be remembered in prayer. Jesus says, He that will confess me before man, him will I confess before my Father and the holy angels. Would you just stand at 